So as we are all helping to form form a retreat, kind of putting in something or taking something out or helping to shape the retreat with our human energies, bodies, thoughts, minds, silences, speech, actions. So we're contributing. It's a, this is the real world. Real world of practice is a field that we create, we set up. Mm, so, you know, we can look around. We can say this is in Tisarana Monastery, Ontario. That doesn't really mean very much at all, actually, in terms of practice details. You know, even the date, it's kind of you know numbers. Yeah. And you can highlight things like all Paul's days or on Paul Charles Commemoration Day, just as kind of places <coughs> to crystallise um, intention. So, so these really are not days that are really about days in normal sense of the word, they're like uh, occasions in terms of Dhamma. When, uh, when it's caused to once again inquire deeply and uh, into this business birth death truth reality liberation what are we compelled by what are we driven by what it's it about yeah yeah and then, see, then the retreat shaped up out of that sense of what occurs as we ask those questions live in those questions live in that sense of you know, what is spiritual anyway? Spiritual is that which really touches the chitta. You know, what's really touching us? What's important now? We ask that question. What's important to, to bring forth now? Any time of day. And within this particular code, treat, boundaries, moral boundaries, boundaries of activities, things we're doing, things we're not doing. Sense of community. And community in a very special way. Because in a way it's kind of like communities like, uh, you know, people come together, have said, known each other. So it's not communities of people who've... It's like community in terms of Dharma, it can arise, people walk together and then people move on. So there's a certain communing in terms of heart, through intention, through respect, through seeing each other in terms of terms, terms of practice, in terms of aspiration, in terms of struggle, in terms of karma, in terms of the parami strengths that we all carry, and the uh, hindrances that bind us, seeing ourselves in these lights rather in terms of names, biographies, 
いろんなお伝え<笑> yeah. What's useful? Field of practice, as you make it clear, you begin to crystallize what's really important in terms of、uh, seeing things clearly without, with an unwavering view. So you're not shifting from one set of views to another set of views. The view of Dhamma is、uh, conditions that are pertinent for realization. Karma to be understood and unraveled, available within this human experience. We see each other in that light, we come together in that light, and we begin to see each other, we see each other in that light, come together in that light. How do we relate to each other in that light with a sense of warmth, but respect? Don't need to know. All the names and details. No, kind of, no that's, that's not. It's just to know this human being, you know, living within this particular field of practice, you know, trying to find the ground in this field of practice. And all that is helping to establish it.、Mm-hmm. So, when we enter the field of practice, first of all, it's kind of foggy. What am I doing here? What am I supposed to do? How do I feel about him or her? Or what's my position? You kind of get a bit nervy about all that. How well am I doing? Am I doing the right thing? Have I got it right? Can I get this done by? This kind of nervy stuff goes on. And yet, look, look, look. It's a field of practice. It means all that experience of am I getting it right? Am I doing it right? Can I make it? What am I? This is the right. I can't meditate. All that. That is something you you get interested in. Don't get phased by it. Something that can be a something that in itself is to be held as practice as just something we we recognise. As this is the doubt, the restlessness, the fear, the anxieties that, that, that hinder us all. Don't give them a lot of room to breed, don't make it important. Don't make it too important getting things right and wrong. Don't make that important. Make it important to find your ground, to find your sense of. Being able to witness, open to these experiences, they come. This is how you integrate Dhamma into this life.、Mm-hmm. This world life is worldly life. The life of our worldliness is a place where we are constantly moving on to conclusions, to finalities that never occur, to conclusions that never quite meet. To, yeah, to get things known that can never really be known, properly known. In Dhamma practice, you just recognize that's that movement on, getting it right, getting it sorted out, getting it finished, getting it finalized. That already 
it's just this restless urge in the mind isn't it and you follow it it just goes on and on and on <laughs> yeah at the same time this is not something to feel you know dismissive of this is an important experience to be bearing with so as we enter practice in just this state of agitation uncertainty trying to find our ground in that but you don't find the ground in the answers in the thinking mind in the strategies in the conclusions in the judgments in the opinions don't find it there somewhere else it's a place of uh, where something in us you know it when you touch it because something in you stops it doesn't mean you don't doesn't mean you stop talking you stop moving something in your heart stops stops creating suffering essentially and then you can you begin to establish that then it's possible to you know you start to open because the nature of, of our, our field of practice is we enter it we get settled in it it's something that there's a certain opening of the heart we can know there's a moment of stopping begin to see your patterns and compulsions fall away for a moment heart because the heart is naturally great and it's only compressed and distorted through these weight of these obstructions so when you remove an obstruction the heart tends to open you take the weight off it the burden heaviness opens up you feel suddenly you feel confident you feel interested you feel mm, what's this about sense of curiosity whole heartedness occurs and that's often how it begins you start to see that you begin to recognize that in yourself you know, oh, this is actually how Dharma unfolds like a lotus you know something that comes out of the mud and it starts to open up unfolding you don't have to force it up you don't drag it up it gets really grounded in practice in presence mindfulness and it starts to open up like this and then you want to take stuff on begin to consciously challenge your compulsions compulsive shutting down we close up all the time if you're constantly drawing or averse fearful negative or compulsions the other way you try to make things happen all the time get things going make it work make it right no don't make it right (laughs) just let it be how it is and see what see what starts to unfold by itself this is a way of life really it's what makes it all so interesting I think this is particularly you know with Lumpur Cha 
and get a sense of uh, you know I didn't spend that much time with him but enough to get a sense of how wide range from being so still it was like there was nobody there it's kind of one of those cliched phrases isn't it nobody there but you really sense that there's a there's so much there it's like ten people walked out of the room <laughs> the, the not there-ness was bigger than most people's there-ness <laughs> it was a very um, solid kind of place where you can almost feel your mind stop in the presence of it like something like a antimatter you know your mind just starts to uh, yeah, like an energetic effect yeah. suddenly you all this thinking in your mind just seem like just like completely irrelevant <laughs> yeah. oh it's just that and that and then he could open up and this incredibly bubbling quality something bubbling yeah vivacious playful mercurial inquiring teasing challenging yeah really into people holding people picking them up and and playing with it and tremendous energy huge energy to uh, talk to teach to receive people and uh, you know and diligence in terms of appropriate duties in the life and from that establishing this whole kind of monastic settlement which started from just living at basically in an old haunted forest where, you know, on his own under an umbrella that's where it started no plan no strategy no codes, just sit there, go to the village for food, back, offer the animal dinner blessing, and then gradually things opening up from there. Just a beautiful example of when you find your ground, settle in, that sense of you're just here, and you don't know, you really don't know, you're just here, the rest of it it's just the movement of your mind, you don't know. And you keep settling into that and touching into that and establishing that. Mm. And then the courage it takes to do that. Some of us really like to know what it should be and how we should be and how things could work out and what the future would be like. It's a huge thing of most perhaps most fundamental human craving is for security the security of the future and then the true practitioner is someone who keeps inclining away from that because you get on that movement to the future it just runs on and you've lost something you've lost root you're like tumbleweed you're no longer grounded. Yeah, just say that. The present will unfold. 
it will unfold in terms of how clearly and firmly one holds the present and with what clarity one meets the conditions that arise with what openness one meets the conditions that arise with what wisdom what compassion what kindness what patience what barami you meet the conditions that arise conditions could be come as other people they could come as a range of things actually physical health could come as um, responsibilities and duties could come as projects you meet the conditions that arise um, and he was an example of that you know, in that actually certainly you know, his visit to England which is where I met him he seemed more at home in, in England than most English people do just really completely settled and at ease with it all and then for a whole range from being very still and silent to being humorous and warm and discursive and discussing things and uh, teasing people playing with people like this this portrait you sometimes see uh, painting uh, this Anagarika who'd been a street artist used to draw you know, chalk on the street people so if people come along and you could do a portrait of somebody like in 10 minutes with chalks so he's pretty good at it and he became an Anagarika for the reasons why people become Anagarikas and he had decided he wanted to do a, 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 a portrait of Ajahn Chah so he had a number of photographs and he was a very very good artist actually in terms of realistic portrayals he did a portrait and he did this uh, portrait of Inchar so it's probably about life size so it's quite a size and he spent you know really fastidious one of these fine tuned minds this thing it was stunning stunning and so when Ajahn Chah, he had it upstairs in his room, he used to work at this thing all day, many days, and uh, Ajahn Chah, Ajahn Chah came to him and he said, I'll take him up, take him up to see this portrait, see what he thinks of it, whether he likes it or not. And he came up, said, what is this? He said, hmm. if I all over it, would you be upset? <laughs> First, they've done it for him. That was that was a very pertinent thing because he so, you know, you know, agonisingly attentive to the detail, and so Ajahn Chah was interested in the portraits, interested in the person's mind, saying, you know, can you ever get it to the point where it's really right? And in fact, he didn't. He did that, and then he decided after a while he didn't like the background. He had to rub the whole thing background out, put a new background in, and uh, and eventually he just took it away from him because <laughs> he still found there was something wrong. Nobody could see what's wrong with it. He's seen something that's wrong with it. Nobody else could see it. There's some flaw somewhere. It was the only thing you could see was this thing that was wrong with it, and it's 
Yes, this amazing portrait that's hanging up in the in Chittas Monastery. And I never be able to see anything wrong with it, but he could. And that's you know, Sergeant Charles wasn't saying it's a load of rubbish. He was just most interested in, you know. And this was just something that he immediately got. You know, you come up to a, somebody's room. Somebody's been working on something. What do you think? So I said, what do you think of the portrait? What would you think you'd say? Oh, very nice. Or, wow, that's impressive. And that child got the whole thing. This person's been doing this. Uh And what about just kind of, here's a double practitioner, just give him a little teasing. That was his way. He could immediately sense with the situation a particular dhammic point of dhamma to touch. Yeah. It's not always like that, of course. It could be the other way around. Mm-hmm. So I went out to some dana. This woman had prepared a huge dana, English woman. So and she was very nervous, trying to get it all right, and uh, so they presented the dana. Normally, of course, in Thailand, people offer the food, and they chant, people chant the animal dana, and they leave, and so forth. That's it. But they, he, they, she did that, and then he, he said, he just started giving her compliments about her food. Oh, this is really wonderful meal you prepared. You know, clearly he wanted to relate to the person. Uh, he was able to see which particular way you'd actually approach, you know, the person in the situation, the, the reality of what was happening in the heart. So to see through the purely visual manifestation to the heart manifestation of what was happening. Mm. He was very good at that, like that was what he saw. That's the realm he lived in. That's what he picked up on. That's where he lived. He lived in that realm. You know, in one way his body's walking around in this sensory realm, but his his chitta was living in that realm. And that's where he stayed. And you could see how staying in that place, his body and his speech could do a number of things. But it was always staying in that particular place and then just no, no preparation no, pre- no strategy, no preparation, no pre just stay in the place and you wait and see what arises and then as it arises there's a response. He refused to have plans. But they tried to get him to give a talk at uh, a Buddhist society wanted to him to give a talk for the Wesak, Wesaka Puja, so they invited say Vajan Chah would come and give the precepts to the Wesak we fired this place maybe maybe not so days go by as the message came through to Ajahn Sumedha has any child decided to come in or not and Paul will you come on don't know yet <laughs> don't know yet they get so very very day itself arrives and they're coming well not, not quite certain yet <laughs> The car pulls up. You're coming. Oh, I don't really know right now. 
door opens and as Ajahn Sumedha is about to get in the car, well, I'll go and do it. He's about to get in the Ajahn Chah comes down, gets in the car, okay, let's go. <laughs> That was just the way he just, you know, constantly could feel that kind of urge, get it, you know, finally wanted to plan and strategize. It's it just, come, come, come. You know, this is practice. We're not here to run, you know, meetings and assemblies and lectures. We're here to practice. And practice is what the mind is doing. <laughs> the mind is feverishly trying to kind of hold it all together. Just push it back, tame it, you know, push it back, give it a whack. <laughs> yeah. And you know, this is not, not brutal, is it? It's not physically violent, psychologically you could see the point. It's just, okay. Yeah. How much of a time do we spend making plans? Of what we're going to say and what we're going to do really working that out in detail and where are we so yeah. so he says you never never should plan a talk otherwise it's not a dumb talk it's just a lecture and uh, you know also to even with talks to get beyond feeling you've got to give a anxious about giving great talks, or good talks. And there's this famous uh, incident where he got, when Ajahn Sumedha was just managing to get hold of speaking Lao, you know, which is this kind of dialect in northeast <coughs> Thailand, just getting the hang of it. He said, okay, uh, Sumedha, give a talk. Give you time to give a talk. So you go, Tamar, okay, struggle, 15 minutes, uh, well, you know, there's a few things about we've well, got to practice, and practice is good, and it's really important we get it right, and you know, keep the breathing. Okay, 50, it's just struggles, 15 minutes, it's just about it. Yeah, it's about it, really, it's about all you can manage. Gets, no, no, you stay, keep, keep talking. Right, okay. Struggling, trying to find something else to say, goes on for another half an hour. Keep going, keep going. <laughs> and people are sitting around because because he can't say very much, saying the same old thing. People are getting bored, looking around. <laughs> keep going, keep going. And this, this, just keep going. It's, people starting to leave, getting up, leave. Eventually, <laughs> there's only a few old ladies sitting in the back. Shouldn't be in that. Because they've got nowhere to go anyway, everyone else has got up and left. They <laughs> <laughs> say, oh, good talk, little tomato, good talk. <laughs> you know, <laughs> the embarrassment about not giving a very good talk is just, wow. You, know, you can see that what's being, what's happening, you know. You just get on those nerve endings and start pushing. Once you enter the uh, field of practice, these are things, these are, we want to look at these trigger points. And if you've got someone who can help you, you know, and you trust it and you're open to it, then you're really in a, a, 
a great place for that great situation for that mostly if we to look for ourselves also you know, where we get triggered and not to keep you know getting bashful about it or feeling embarrassed by it or feeling crazy or neurotic well that doesn't do any good does it get onto it you know and as you start to get some sense of where your ground is where you feel some sense of confidence you don't have to be anything you don't have to be get it all right you don't have to be perfect you don't have to be know a lot you don't have to know a lot about Buddhism you know you don't have to know the place where you are just get basic precepts and uh, refuges and simple boundaries and simple routines and then you've got various duties and you look at these triggering points and you want to kind of just really lean on them yeah. remember if you've got something already figured out before you do it you're not, going to, you're not doing it in line with Dhamma because what are you doing? Yeah. If, if you know it already you're not really with it are you? if you've got it all planned out already then what, what, what are you dealing with? you're not actually meeting the real here and now you're meeting a pre-established notion of it that's coming from your head so you're not really meeting anything apart from your own mental constructions without even knowing their mental constructions you're just kind of placing your mental constructions onto, onto a living situation so if you already get planned out you're not really practicing you're, you're missing it it's important to have those, those don't knows to come into that don't know always takes you back into world you don't know where are you now what's there to lose what's there to gain who's doing this these are the questions you want to ask yourself who's, who's doing this and what you, what's he got to lose what have you to get it wrong monsters you know, torture failure, disgrace what are you going to gain And when you begin to see through these places, gaining, losing, uh, self who's doing it all, as these are all constructions, aren't they? We want to get out of our constructions. So it's touching in these triggering points. It's, it's really finding out where they are. So you start to establish a place, you set up the parameter, the parameters, boundaries, mode of practice, routines, and okay, let's run this now. I've got something now. Watch out where the wheels start running, yeah. where the strategies start happening, where the compulsions start coming in. When I start to get, you know what it feels like running my show. Oh. And that's really where you get the sense of uh, keeps the practice alive is, is this chanda. 
that sense of deep motivation, dhamma chanda, motivation. You know, you know, sometimes when we just consider practice to be about stillness and quietness, we want to sort of not have any sense of motivation, just be left still. But this doesn't really, that can happen. But the real edge of our practice is this sense of chanda, motivation. I want to find out where the triggering points are, where the compulsions are, where the identity identity starts getting built up. And that's the place I'm looking for in this practice, where I can uh, just let go there or move forward there. Because if we don't have the chanda, things get rather stale. And instead we have to start to have tanha, craving for stillness, craving for being left alone, craving to find our own little comfort place. And it stagnates. So you look into that. I always found it... uh, taking responsibilities a kind of place of practice because it's something I never really inclined towards I never inclined towards uh, you know leading anybody else I felt felt out of disliking people just never felt that people should be able to do what they want to do (laughs) it's hard for me to tell them what to do and you hold on to that thought too long and you get put in a position of responsibility. <laughs> the field of practice has is, is, got a strange dynamic to it. Because once you enter it, it's like you start to throw down the gauntlet. You like, and it, it, some of its conditions start to arise that push you into places where you didn't really want to go. And why was responsibility? And, uh, you yeah. I don't feel like I should be telling anybody else what to do. That's what I've been doing for the past 35 years. (laughs) 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 At least encouraging or some some sense of adding, you know, or what exhorting. And it's uh, interesting. But what it does is it, is it, it begins to without me wishing for it, it means I have to I have to live up to what I'm talking about. <laughs> you know. So that's that's the beauty of it. Once you something seems, seems to occur in this domain of practice where, where you get pushed into areas where you wouldn't necessarily go and ask something of you. And you have to grow up into it. You have to grow beyond the uh, the limitations that one has constructed for oneself the identity one's constructed for oneself. So you think about that, look at that. We take the, all these um, you know, chores, duties, with the same sense of inquiry and attention as anything else. It's cleaning the bowls, cleaning the rooms, tidying up. You do it with the same kind of attention as you do anything else. You want to look out for those places where your mind just kind of there, skips, jumps. This isn't practice, this is not important. No, no. 
there's a trigger there's a there's a place where your mind is going into a, its habit again stop it every moment in the field of practice is a moment to be have that desire motivation what's this about what's it telling me what am I skipping away from what am I trying to get over get over this kind of tedious bit to get into the rich place on the other side <laughs> you know that's a very common habit get over this kind of fiddly piece and then it gets to the nice place on the other side what the mind does tanha craving you can only stop that not through trying to you know repress something but by directly applying that desire to the present moment with a feeling in it disagreeable feeling disagreeable feeling yeah. or not very not very fantastic feeling just boring nothing special feeling no this is where you start to penetrate the things that push people along the feeling quality craving for the sweet spot the feeling actually there's a sweeter spot beneath that beneath that sliding around on the level on feeling a lot of the life in uh, certainly in Ajahn Chah's monasteries or the monasteries I've been at is part of it is just tedious not great not terrible just hanging around waiting for people to turn up for the meeting to begin somebody's always late waiting for people to turn up Okay, ten minutes later. So yeah, yeah. Sorry, I'm, yeah, I'm not, yeah, yeah. Sorry, like, fine, like, yeah, yeah, just a minute. The announcements. <laughs> Who's doing washing up today? The announcements. <laughs> and uh, could we have a reminder about please put your shoes in the shoe rack, not leave them all over the floor. We have said this before many times, <laughs> and we are patient. This kind of thing, you think, oh God. <laughs> <laughs> Just watch your breath, they said, it'll all be over. <laughs> it says in this nice book on his meditation systems, levels of jhanas and stuff, and I'm sitting here giving his announcements about please boil the tea towels because someone gets upset the tea towels aren't boiled. And, and who would like to volunteer for the take the garbage out today? <laughs> right. <laughs> you can see this sort of thing in your mind just wanting to blow up. <laughs> just, just breathing out. Take it on. 
include it all. Mm. Yeah. And you can. Gradually you can include it. And you realise, yeah, this has got to be something special. Yeah. When you can include the world without getting worldly, then you've cracked it. You can include the world without getting worldly or trying to find another world to get go into. Then you've done something special. And uh, hmm? you realise if there's anything we could pass on in our lives, yeah, we feel that we've lived our lives, we've showed up for them, we've been responsible for them, we lived in a life of people and things and events and circumstances and sorrows and pains and conflicts. We didn't blink. We didn't look away. We looked it straight. And we came through. Yeah. And that's nothing so esoteric, but that's just incredibly special. And that's the irony of the path of the field of practice. It's both incredibly it's as mundane as taking the garbage out. And it's as special as letting go of uh, impatience and agitation and the attachment to to a comfortable feeling. Mm. And so this is certainly, uh, Ajahn Chah was a massive exemplar of that and the results and the beauty of that practice. Just from that alone, you know, hundreds of monasteries, thousands of people have uh, in their own lives, in their own ordinariness, in their own idiosyncratic humanity, and they're all very different, touched into the ground of practice, touched into the ground of Dhamma, and brought something beautiful forth. So, we're indeed blessed. So, Sadhu, Sadhu, Sadhu.